and thank you for joining me again today for the Finding Hope After Loss podcast. Today is episode number 28, and this will be the last episode of this first season. The podcast will be taking a break and will return in July. Make sure you catch up on any episodes you missed before the new episodes start. And I will be spending the time in between now and then doing more amazing interviews and creating new episodes just for you. I've really enjoyed talking with each and every person that's been on the podcast. We all have such different stories, but we're all connected through infertility and loss. And I've met so many amazing people, and I look forward to meeting so many more. And I just want to take the time to thank you all for trusting me to help you share your stories. I know some of you have shared your stories many times, and some of you, this is your first time sharing it or the first time speaking it. And trust me, I don't take that lightly. I know it's a difficult subject. I know it brings up a lot of emotion, but I think it's important to remind you all how important it is that we continue to share our stories and that we continue to spread awareness not just for our experience going through infertility and loss, but for all the other issues that surround it as well. As so many of us know, we have a lot of lasting effects from it. You know, we, we have more anxiety, we, we have, you know, other, more anger, more sadness, more, you know, all the different emotions and, you know, those things last. And I think it's important that people understand that loss isn't just something that happens and then we, we get over it and get through it. You know, that these are emotions and things that we continue to deal with and that we will probably deal with for the rest of our life in some aspects. So if you have any topics that you would like to hear, or if you'd like to share your story on the podcast, you can feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at journeyforjasmine.com, or you can send me a message on Instagram or on Facebook at Journey for Jasmine. So today I am talking with Holly. Holly works to help other women learn to prioritize self-care. She released her first journal in 2022 called This Is Me. It inspires other women to fall in love with themselves and to share their story through speaking and writing. Holly is also a four-time egg donor for couples that were struggling with infertility. Today, she is talking about her experience and what that donation process was like. Hello, everyone. Today, I am here with Holly, who's going to talk a little bit about her experience being an egg donor. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Yes. So I, a little bit about me first. So I'm a mom, I'm a business owner, I'm a travel enthusiast. I'm a self-love lover. I am a chocolate lover. Like chocolate is like number one in my life. (laughs) Um, And I I have that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I have been an ovum donor four times. So what made you decide to do that? So it was really interesting. Maybe I'm trying to think my first journey. That was probably five years ago, four years ago, four years ago. 
So it was 2018. um, And I really just had a passion for helping people become parents. So I'm a mom, I know what it's like to become a parent and just being able to help someone else have that opportunity that they otherwise wouldn't have, whether that's through infertility or same-sex marriage or whatever their journey looks like, but really being able to support them in becoming a parent, because I know how amazing that is. So had you already had kids before you uh, decided to become a donor? Yes. So both of my children were born. So I have two biological children and they were both born um, prior to me be prior to me being a donor. Yes. Yeah. My youngest. So four years ago, my youngest would have been three. Well, that's such a nice thing that you're doing for people because, you know, we went through infertility um, due to our PCOS. Uh, We didn't ever use like donor um, anything, but it's nice Mm -hmm. to know that there are people out there who will, you know, provide that, you know, for the Mm -hmm. people who need it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a common saying, you know, it takes a real village to raise a child. And that literally starts from the very beginning because every family is created differently. (laughs) You're so right about that. I've met, you know, many people who have used the donor process and, you know, without it, they wouldn't have their children. So I think it's an amazing thing that you've done. So how far apart did you do like the four donations? So my last donation was about a year ago. So I guess in the span of three years, I donated four times. It's kind of hard to think back on like when specifically was each, each donation, (laughs) four donations in a span of three years. So um, the first one was done prior to the whole pandemic. And then I did, I think two during the pandemic and then one at the very kind of like end. So every journey has been an adventure. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about like what the process was like for you, like for the donation, like how you got started, like what, you know, how, what you went through that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So the first two donations were very similar. So I went through an agency and I, you know, filled out my profile. This is who I am. Uh, You know, of course there's photos because everybody chooses, you know, a donor based on whatever they want, but sometimes it's physical appearance. So of course there's photos and then like information about my family, you know, health things that have come up or whatever, just kind of like a, a rundown of who I am. Um, And then there's a profile, then the intended parents find, look at all the profiles, the donor profiles, they found me, they liked me. Um, My first donation was a known donation. So I was in contact with them very little, though, very briefly. Um, My second donation was anonymous. So I the only thing that I know about that couple is they are a same sex couple, and they live in France. (laughs) That's all I know. (laughs) Um, And then my third donation actually were friends of mine. So that one I was involved in way more. (laughs) And I I get photos every once in a while. And it's really cool to see their little family growing. I love that. That's so special. Yeah, yeah, it is. I guess I didn't realize that, um, you know, people from other countries Mm -hmm. would could um, I, I I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say, like, <laughs> use the same egg. Like, I guess I thought it would just be within the same country, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just didn't realize it was so big. Mm-hmm. So I think oftentimes 
that surrogacy is not legal or there's like legal intricacies in other countries. And so my first donation was the the couple lived in Netherlands, then France. And then my fourth and final donation, um, he lives in Sweden. So I don't know what all the laws and rules and all of that are there. Um, I just know that they often come to Canada for their journeys. That's so interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. 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 It's great that you're able to, you know, help them out with that then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really cool how everybody gets connected. So then did you have to do all the, all the injections and, and that kind of thing with the medications? (laughs) Yes. So of course you have to pass, pass a psychological screening and then a medical screening and they have to, you know, say, yes, you're actually going to be a good donor. Um, And then once all that's done, then based on my cycle is when the injections start. So the first day of my period is the first day of injections. And then they continued for about 14 to 16 days. So if you're familiar with the process, <laughs> um, they monitor your eggs often every other day, you know, you go for an ultrasound and they, they measure them to make sure they're growing strong and healthy. And then um, at the end of the the two weeks, they kind of monitor them more, more often. And if they need a little bit more growing, they leave them in there for a couple more days. And then, um, yeah, then retrieval day. Was it like a physically hard process for you or emotionally yeah. hard or either? We can say all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> um, physically, yes. So, you know, your ovaries become very enlarged during the process um, because of course they want to make strong, healthy eggs to be able to donate, to be able to create beautiful embryos. So the ovaries are really overstimulated and they're huge. And so at the end of the process, you're not wearing jeans. Like, no, yeah. you're, <laughs> you're, you're wearing, <laughs> exactly every single day. <laughs> um, and then of course the bruising from the injection sites like that, that did happen. Um, so, so there was that physically and then emotionally. Yeah. Your, your body is full of all kinds of hormones. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we didn't do IVF, but I had to do some injections like mm-hmm. during our process. And even just that alone, it's, yep. it is a process. So yeah. I can't imagine yeah. like doing as, as many as you did. And then, yeah. and then, you yeah. know, giving away all the eggs too. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Gratefully with each donation, I don't know between, I can't even remember. I, I was able to donate lots of eggs. Like each donation was very fruitful. So so did they get all the eggs from that cycle or is it just a certain number or how does that work? Yeah, no, they take them all. They go in. So during the retrieval process, they put you under what's called conscious sedation or in my experience, um, that's what they put me under was called conscious sedation. So apparently I'm still awake and I'm still talking and I don't remember the process at all. Like the procedure. I don't that remember it from <laughs> either of the four times. Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, it's like I'm in the, the, on the bed and then I wake up in the recovery room, but I was never really asleep. So I don't know how that works, but it's not (laughs) in my memory. (laughs) Um, yeah. And then they, they, they go in and they take all the eggs out of one ovary and then they go to the other side and take all of the eggs out of the other ovary. And from my knowledge, they have an ultrasound, 
um, machine there at the same time. So they're making sure that they get, they're getting all of the eggs. Wow. That seems <laughs> like yeah. a crazy process. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> so is there anything else that you think people should know about, you know, being a donor or donation or anything like that? Yeah. You know, donations, not for everyone. I understand and I respect everybody's opinion and donations, not for everyone. And if it's on your mind just a little bit, like just do a little bit of research, even reach out to me. Like I'm more than willing to share all the information that I have with anybody at any time. And I've had people who were interested in donating contact me um, just to get more information. But even if it's like a little bit on your mind, that nudge is there for a reason. So maybe, maybe it's time you, you know, look into the process a little more. I really had no idea until you uh, brought it up that there was, you know, like the the little um, profiles that, that they looked mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. I think that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course it was different for the donation that I did for my friends. <laughs> did that, uh, did that work like kind of the same way though? I mean, were you able to just say, Hey, they want me to donate. Can I donate? I mean, there weren't any issues with like knowing them or anything like that? Yeah, no, there wasn't. And there's always the legal process too. So for every donation, um, I have a lawyer, the 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 IPs have a lawyer. Um, and then we're both legally, we're in a legal contract. We are in a legal contract. It is a business, um, like transaction, if you could say, <laughs> like, that's how it's treated. Um, and so in the legal contract, any procedure, anything, any medical procedure, anything that happens to me while the eggs are still in my body is information for me to take. And I'm allowed to, you know, have a say in that process. Obviously the doctors know best, but. Right. <laughs> but you still have a little bit of control, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then once the eggs are retrieved, they are now legally the intended parents property. Okay. It, like. I don't like using like property sounds bad, but yeah, I get what you mean though. <laughs> it's like, I guess legally they have to call it. Yeah. That. Yeah. And then you're like, they hey, now own the baby's rights. not really like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. They own the rights to the eggs. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever the legal thing says. <laughs> it's kind of weird to think about it. Like in those terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it is, it's a baby. <laughs> right. So do you know um, if they don't end up using all the eggs, I mean, is it just up to them to determine what to do with them after that, if they don't like transfer them or if they don't use them? Yeah. So all of the eggs with each donation are fertilized upon retrieval. Um, So they've become embryos and the embryos get frozen for however long until they try to have a baby or another baby or whatever. Um. And then after that, if say the intended parents are done having children, but they're still say embryos frozen, they cannot donate the embryos to someone else to have a baby that is in the like the the legal contract. Um, they can, however, donate them to science. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good if they can't just go, you know, donating right. them to whoever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And um, because I do have, well, any reason, but because I do have children of my own, I know when, well, I can find out, I can go back to the lawyer and ask the lawyer, what are the the birth dates and the gender of the babies that are born from my donations? And 
I think that just helps, you know, if it was in my own city and my, there was a daughter born the same time my son was born or whatever, right? right. Like <laughs> they, they want to make sure that there's, everybody knows it's clean and clear that there's these babies out there with your DNA. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. is it something that you plan to bring up to your children ever, or is it something you just want to keep? Oh, yeah, all of my children know. So like I said, I have two biological boys. And then right now I have two um, bonus girls. So there's four children in the mix um, right now. That's crazy. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, they all know. They've been with me through the process every time. So oh, they see great. me giving the injections and they know the process. That's great that, you know, they won't be like randomly surprised one day. Like, why do I have this? You know, especially with all the <laughs> DNA tests out there now, like mm-hmm. random person, you know, <laughs> oh, that would be so interesting in like 20 years and they do like 23 and me. And then yeah. <laughs> you're like, they, uh, they have like a half sibling. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Like a half biological sibling, obviously. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you also are planning to come out with a podcast. Is that right? That is right. Um, Sarah, actually, that's where we met in the podcast group. So that's really cool that our paths crossed and we had similar interests. Um, yes, my podcast is coming out in March of 2023. And I'm so excited to share my journey of business ownership and my journey of self-care and how taking self-care and making self-care a priority is so, so, so important. And self-care is not selfish. (laughs) Yes, I think that's important, especially as moms and as women, you know, it's something that we don't practice often enough at all. I know I don't. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It can go to the waste. Yeah, it can go to the wayside very easily. So is that what you do in your business now or? So I am actually the owner of Novaridge Bookkeeping. So we're a professional bookkeeping firm servicing clients in the holistic wellness industry across Canada. So we do finances for small businesses. (laughs) Um, And because we work with the holistic wellness industry, what I recognize is most of our clients, they're healers, they're givers, they, they, they take care of others, you know, they're massage therapists, and they're naturopaths, and they're acupuncturists, and they're, you know, healing others. And again, sometimes self care, they're so busy building their business, and they're so busy taking care of their patients, self care, kind of goes to the wayside. And so I'm like double, I have, I have my bookkeeping business and then I I really am passionate about self-care and I host um, self-care events in my city as well. So monthly self-care events. Oh, that's exciting. What do you do (laughs) at those events? Yeah. So um, one of our events was at a local clothing boutique shop. So we did, um, I'm, I'm also training to be a meditation teacher. Look at that. (laughs) You have so, so much. <laughs> right? So we did a meditation, we did a journaling exercise, we did a self-care or a self-love activity. And then we rolled into um, trying on clothes and, and feeling good in our bodies and like a little super cute photo shoot with their phones. Um, our next event is actually at a local distillery. So we're going to have tarot cards and crystals and just like a, a snacks and really just a fun, relaxing evening right before the Christmas rush. 
that sounds really nice. I wish I was yeah. in Canada. Right. <laughs> like, could actually come to it. Come <laughs> anytime. I actually didn't realize you did bookkeeping. That's um I'm in the accounting world too. So oh. <laughs> yeah, I do taxes and and bookkeeping oh. on on my or for my full-time job. Yeah. Oh, isn't that so funny how we connect <laughs> and then <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you know that stuff that nobody wants to do, but everybody needs done. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And business owners really, they start their businesses with a passion for their business, not for a passion of bookkeeping. And yeah, that's apparent in some of their, <laughs> in their bookkeeping files. And you're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, let, let me handle that for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to do it all. <laughs> right. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or add on about think, you know anything? Yeah, we, we really this is a great conversation actually. And like, I guess if I can leave the audience with anything, it's just a common saying that I say is keep going. And so no matter what, if it's in your self-care journey, if it's in your entrepreneurship journey, if it's in your IVF journey, if it's on your surrogacy journey, um, just keep going, be, give yourself grace and keep going one foot in front of the other. I love that message. I think it's, it's important. It's hard to Mm -hmm. not want to give up when things get hard and yeah. You know, sometimes just taking that, that first step forward after is like the biggest thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your experience today. It was very nice talking to you. It was so good, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Holly, for sharing your experience with us. I love hearing from the perspective of someone who's gone through the actual donation process. I think it's such a special thing you have done to help other families who were struggling to get pregnant. It truly is such a meaningful gift. And I also wanted to take a brief moment to expand on Holly's specialty of helping women practice better self-care. This is something so many of us, including myself, are lacking in. We do so much for others, but not enough for ourselves. And self-care can look like so many things. It can be taking the time to go get a cup of coffee, spending some time by yourself, be getting your hair or your nails done, carving out time during the day to do your workout, practicing your favorite hobby, reading your favorite book. It can be anything that you enjoy. It just needs to be something that's meaningful to you. As women, we have so many roles that we have in life. We're daughters, sisters, mothers, friends, coworkers, and so many more. We tend to take care of everyone else. We do everything for our kids and we do everything for our families. And it can be really draining sometimes, especially when we don't have that time to ourselves to relax and to recharge and to feel like ourselves again. But this is a reminder to take that time for you. You can start with just a few minutes a day. Don't be afraid to ask for help so you can get the time for yourself that we all desperately need. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and so you'll know when the podcast comes back in July. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember, we are all in this together.